Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Training Bites podcast. I'm still joined by Nick today. And on the previous episode, we spoke about the warm-up, the GPP, and how he now thinks that you should progress the amount of work you do within your warm-up slash GPP thing. And he also said that it's possible to avoid overtraining as long as it's programmed smartly. Nick, what is programming smartly? Uh, well, programming smartly would first of all have to be taken into account, say, volume changes, making sure you're not doing any massive volume changes over a short period of time. Uh, one, so you're not getting into like massive amounts of accumulated fatigue or running the risk of injuries. Accumulated fatigue is? So, um, say if you're, so obviously every training session is going to have a cost in terms of what it does in terms of fatigue. So if you're training, um, over say a long period of time, over weeks, months, and you're building up heaps of fatigue over that period to the point where it's uh, affecting your performance. Okay, so uh, can you quantify this? You can, um, you can calculate the volume in terms of the fatigue, quantifying fatigue. Yeah. I guess you could use heart rate variability potentially, but that's more of a delayed fatigue. Mm. Um, you track training RPE potentially. Yeah, yeah. In, in physio, we use the acute on chronic work ratio, right. and that's RPE times time. Mm-hmm. So it's very subjective, right. but the time the time is quantified, so you know how much they feel like they've accumulated. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so um, accumulated fatigue, you want to manage that. Mm-hmm. How do we do that? Well, what first would be tracking, tracking the volume you're giving for your athletes or yourself. Uh, possibly even a training journal as well, uh, tracking your RPEs, sleep, how you're feeling, motivation to train. Okay. Even HRV, you can use some apps on your phone, which I don't think is 100% accurate, but you could track your HRV. So say if you do uh, change your training load or have a big session, you could track your HRV over the next couple of days and you can possibly start to see trends. Okay. So then how would you apply that to the GPP in the warm-up? Cool, good question. So I would say the GPP would have to be a fairly similar structure to the warm-up, a similar amounts of volume each session. Uh, I guess it would help if you're tracking before you make the change to the warm-up. So you could see trends to, um, first of all, the numbers that you're hitting in training, the HRV numbers, RPE numbers, uh, and then make the change to the prep and then see if there's any immediate change or change over the next couple of weeks. You don't want to change too many things at once because you change two or three things at once and you get a big change in, say, fatigue or RPE. You won't know what's causing that. They're changing maybe one thing at a time. Okay. So I guess my question is, how if you track those changes mm. and the fatigue, but you're doing your warm-up with your main session. Mm. So how do we know that it's the, main, the warm-up that's contributing to the actual fatigue or is it the main session? Yeah, right. Good point. So you'd need to, I guess, be doing a training cycle that you've done before and possibly have already tracked. So you might keep the main body of work the same, yeah. but you keep the warm-up. The, then you change the, the preps warm-up. part, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess you could even, because you know how you're saying before, it's pretty much just taking some of your accessory work and adding it to the, the start. Yeah. You could even just shift some of that volume from the back end to the start and then... I guess slowly imp- uh, increase and see if there's any, any change there. Okay, so bringing it back to programming smartly, what are some things to do to keep things smart and some things to avoid to make things dumb? Right, 
I'd say the biggest thing is obviously making small changes to training load, not making any massive jumps. Uh, define training load? Uh, sets times reps times volume. Uh, sorry, sets, reps, load. And then that'll be your training volume. Yep. Uh, making small changes, not going from um, massive changes. Uh, and then, so was the question? <laughs> yeah, um, what are things to do to be smart when yeah. you're programming? Mm -hmm. And the dumb things, what are the dumb things that you do? Dumb things? Yeah, so things to avoid. Mm. Well, the dumb things, I guess, would be massive changes <laughs> to avoid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, hmm. I guess picking movements that um, maybe your body isn't, isn't right for. Like, say if you're shitty in a bottom position of the squat, uh, don't force it there just because you have to. Maybe elevate, go off a slightly higher box. Or if you got, say if you're not quite ready to go off uh, the floor off a deadlift, uh, maybe elevate it a bit. So I wouldn't risk, like, put yourself in any compromised positions just because you have to. So you're moving into the movement patterns as mm. well. Not just, not yeah. just the load, but yeah. choose patterns that... You know you can safely load. For that athlete and yeah. yourself. Yeah, because if you're getting injured, um, obviously you're not going to be able to train, you're not going to be able to compete. Yeah. So uh, the risk isn't worth the, the benefit. Okay. Again, I'm breaking my rule here, but last question. The, do you think it's important that athletes who are predominantly within one plane, mm. one movement plane, need to work on other movement planes? I definitely think so, yeah. One reason it could be, because uh, obviously you're not going to be training 24-7, you're going to be going out, uh, you want to be injury resistant in life as well. So say if you're only training in one plane, but you go to the park with your mates and kick a ball around or something, uh, and, you, and you know, you're shitty in some other plane, you risk, run risk of injury there. You know, we all know some athlete who's injured themselves doing something silly or, not something silly, but something simple. Out of, out yeah, of, out of ordinary. Yeah, so yeah. that's one, being injury resistant in life. But um, the more competent you are with your general movements, the easier you should be able to pick up other skills as well. And then you'll be fortifying any weak links. So even though you're in one plane, if you're stronger throughout every direction and you know, more joint angles, you should be able to, I guess, fortify any weak areas and yeah. Cool, all right, that's enough for this episode. On to the next, thanks for listening.